Welcome to No Room for Phonies. For the month of December, I wanted to talk about uh, the hashtag that I use on uh, Twitter all the time, living my be- live your best life. And so I thought it would be fun to do a two-part uh, series on what it really means to live your best life, culminating with a kind of a statement of what your own best life would look like. And I think um, one of the things that I want to say about living your best life is that it's a process. You don't just, you know, do seven things and then you're living your best life, that you kind of grow into becoming the best version of yourself. And uh, so I was going to do this on my own. And then I was talking to my husband, Charles. Charles, you can say hi. Hello, everybody. Um, About it. And then we decided that we would do it together because it would be fun if both of us in the same household were striving to live our best lives. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then we decided that we'll answer the questions about each other. So this is going to be an interesting. We haven't practiced. We haven't even really talked about it. Um, He's been really busy with end of term at the college, so we haven't had a ton of time to, you know, sit down and talk about it, which I think is part of the fun. So So instead of newlyweds, this is mature weds. Mature weds. (laughs) So we're going to talk about it in terms of each other. So the statements that I have come up with are come from a course that I took on... um, uh not mindfulness oh i thought it was mine no it's not from the mindfulness course and my <laughs> mind won't remember it no it's a course that i took on emotional intelligence right so um these are kind of some of the statements that we're going to talk about and the questions we're going to ask so um the first thing that i'm going to say to you is how do i part of um living your best life is knowing yourself And the only way that you can sort of come to know yourself is by being kind to yourself. So Mm -hmm. how do, I'll ask you first, how do I practice self-kindness? So you're, you're talking about me. Yes, I am. Um, You practice self, well, I guess it depends what self-kindness looks like. I guess different people would see it differently, but um, you spend time uh, reading and thinking and writing. So you give yourself kind of moments during the day, throughout the day, to stop and reflect and rest. And um, I would say this is a slightly more recent development because you are a multitasker and yeah, which you just yelled at me in the kitchen because I was cleaning the I am not a while multitasker. you were doing something else because I was waiting for you to finish so I could do something else. But Anyhow. anyway, I'm a multitasker. <laughs> yes, I am. But sometimes to the extent where you have, you're spinning 10 plates and you add, you're happy to add the 11th and the 12th and I would like you to be down to three. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, so more recently, I think you've been... Um, giving your scheduling actually time into your day and into your multitasking uh, day in to kind of stop and rest and think and do things that give you joy um, 
like like, <clears throat> like knitting and like quilting and like doing things for other people, cooking meals, uh, writing, uh, corresponding with people. Um, even though you're still giving to others, it's I know that that's something that really brings you joy. So um, it's it's one way of being kind to yourself. You also uh, take care of your health. So our our walks that we do together, usually twice a day, and when the weather's nicer, cycling together. I uh, would say that's being kind to your physical self. Well, and we also, I mean, I'm going to stop jumping here for your self-care, but we also have started like a really serious workout routine. Yes. And if you're um, looking for something that is like really good for your physical, like for your, for a workout routine, this is um, on YouTube and it's called HasFit. Yeah, we'll put a link in the, um, on the episode show notes on the uh, New Room for Phonies website. Um, because it it's a couple and it gives you more um, like, harder workout and there's all the way from easy to hard and uh during the workouts one person will do a more advanced uh workout and the other person will do a simplified version of the same thing and they'll even sometimes talk about like how to do it sitting in a chair if if that's all you can handle so it's really accessible yeah and it's for, not for middle age and it? senior no it's free it's free so um anyway that's something and we also joined the local um, platform tennis club which plays all winter and we found that uh, so if you've never heard of platform tennis before uh, we'll, and you want to hear more about it let us know and we'll talk about it in another episode yeah yeah <laughs> we really we are really enjoying it it's um, kind of a cross between um, tennis squash ping pong pickleball squash you said and, ping pong right yeah um, yeah, so that sort of a yeah, thing. It's kind of those four blended into one. So that sort of idea of us being really active physically, for you, your knitting and designing is a is a form of self care. Like sometimes you just stop your work and take like a half hour break to knit and yeah. crochet and and actually design because mm -hmm. that is. I know that sometimes you would rather not be designing for anybody else right now because it's yeah. Well, but for me, the the designing is I I can get into the flow where everything else kind of stops and I'm not aware of the passage of time. But it's very good for like mindfulness, like oh. <laughs> it's almost like meditation because it's like zoning everything else out but i'm not zoned out in a catatonic state no. doing nothing i'm very productive and um, making something. if you take the course by um kane ramsey on med on mindfulness he talks about meditating and meditation mm -hmm. and you know it's the idea that you're kind of just take giving your mind a a, a break from you know and getting yourself back to being grounded again and mm -hmm. i think that's a a lot of what self-care is about is finding a way to like ground yourself from your thoughts and your some of your feelings that get sort of out of you know out of control yeah and help you spin i mean um i think that um you uh 
you listen to a lot of podcasts. I think that's part of your self-care and you're, mm-hmm. you've really uh, become attached to um, Seth Godin. And so his podcasts have, are yeah, part yeah. of your... Yes, very much so. Self-care. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the other thing I think that, while it's always been the case, I think for both of us, is the need to talk through our are the negative stuff, the worries, anxieties, troubles. But we've always, throughout our whole marriage, have... I mean, we weren't always good at walking together because it depended on the time of life and the busyness with children and whatever. But we we always talked and and let the other person vent and talk. Well, and I think the other thing about this podcast is about people and women in their 50s. Mm-hmm. You now do have time, and I think some people find that time really upsetting because your kids are pretty much off, or a lot of times off on your own if you've had kids, and your work life, you're either retiring or slowly working, you know, like people are often, whatever, you're not, I know that. but no, well, it, but then, I mean, there are women that are still busy in work life or in the sandwich generation. We, yes. We just lost our parents. Young. Younger, so but, we didn't have But it's have just, but self-care really is, a, is um, I have discovered that the importance of self-care more now than I did when I probably, I probably should have, and I really value it. And I think the other thing about self-care is it's been kind of mislabeled as, you know, getting your nails done and your hair done and, you know, and pampering, pampering yourself. Where as to me, self-care can be just making sure that I take an hour every day to go and sew on a project that I want to get done for somebody. To me, that's self-care and not just, you know, letting. But I mean, it's fine if that is the self-care for that person. Yeah. Yeah, so not. self-care is doesn't have to be any particular um, thing. But um, the next question, just, I'm sorry, my thing went blank. But um, the next question is, what motivates you? So what do you think motivates, motivates you? Uh, I can't believe you don't know this, like, yes, right off. I'm trying to find an elegant, really amazing way to say it. Just say it. <laughs> I would say love for your for others, starting with your family, our kids first, and me. And well, I not there's not a ranking, but anyway, yeah, love for family and love for others. And am I wrong? Well, I was gonna say my biggest motivator <laughs> is checking things off my list. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the symptom of the other. Yeah, I love <laughs> making making a list to make sure you don't miss anything throughout the day. In your efforts to love others, is <laughs> basically how it manifests itself. As planning, it planning, right? Yes. So, um... <laughs> What motive? Yeah, scratching out the items on her list is her biggest motivator, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, tied into all that is like well, my, what you want to accomplish. The, the deeper I, level of motivators. The deeper level of what I want to accomplish. Like, I don't think you are superficial and and like just OCD. I have to scratch this off no, my no. list because that's that's not what it's. But about. I I do like um I do like that would be a whole nother podcast about list making. But. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. Uh, your motivator to me 
what motivates you is um, the ability to like be able to be creative and think and analyze things and work through like that's why you like um like i think you do like editing um patterns and all that sort of stuff because it's very creative and mm -hmm. right figuring out well and i even like i know it's funny to say there's a i like marking my students work when the marking is actually analytical right because i went like looking into their ideas and how they've put things together and you know learning yeah. from their perspective if it just is uh you know mundane aspects of of marking their their writing like some of the other stuff then that's not as exciting but and for me, I like more of the relational problem solving than you do. Yeah. Because I, I would like sometimes like the puzzles of figuring yeah. out how to fix why, a relationship. Why is that or... person responding the way they're responding, and how? Why is that issue coming up, and mm -hmm. how? You know, I, I like that part aspect of problem solving, but you like the more analytical more related to right well and i i've been thinking about it. like we both when it comes to I ideals or things that we hold up like one of your main motivators is truth yes integrity and and one of my main motivators is harmony and they're both positive yes but sometimes they conflict with which kind of goes around with the next question which is what do you value most about yourself and for you, it's it's harmony. It's keeping everything. And that's why in our, like when people look at our relationship, they look at you as, oh, Charles, he's so nice and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm getting a little nauseous here. <laughs> but me, I'm more like... Well, because you're for truth. You know, and truth hurts and... Not uh, always. Well, but truth I'm just... Truth is also... I mean, it's fine. But I but, mean, I remember... Uh, during our engagement and we were on a walk out in one of the vineyards in the Niagara area and like you were just adamant like we, like our our marriage our relationship our relating to other people is all going to be based on truth and I was like yes of course because but I didn't quite realize the <laughs> implications of all of that yeah right um, well and, and I, mean, I mean I still agree a hundred percent that truth is the is the the true north that you follow right basically. and i also think that we also learn how to manage truth better mm -hmm. like truth should not like there is you have to your motivator for for telling the truth and and making sure that truth prevails is for good not for to hurt somebody else no right or to put them in their place no or to i mean whatever just well, remember that book we read, like difficult conversations. Like, yeah, it's still you have to have those difficult conversations. Yes. Where I mean, my desire for harmony sometimes the negative. Well, that's one. Well, of the, the immature side of pursuing harmony is brushing everything under the carpet. Yes, but a more developed applic application of harmony is still 
we have to get everything out on the table to work well, and towards where was harmony. That, what was that <clears throat> book that we read about the more, like there's a mature way? and The was, Five Voices. The Five Voices was like, so you are this, but you are you can be this in a mature way or an immature way. Yes. So I think that that's the same way for truth, right? Like yes. To sometimes um, you really actually have to back away from something in order, f- you know, and just let the truth come out rather than right. pushing for your version of the well, truth. Well, if we think of the other, the boundaries. Yeah. Like sometimes you put up, the boundary and it for the person that's facing that wall they're actually they're looking in a mirror that's very uncomfortable for them to look yeah, into exactly so yeah i think that those are the things um so that yeah what what do you most value about yourself is that you have integrity, integrity. and truth and, and truth. for you it's that ability to you know produce harmony and I, I just think that as you go along, you are getting like better at not doing the, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand so that everybody's happy. Yeah. And, and, agree, and, and, and agree with this person or this, other, you know, like just agree with everybody. Yeah. As I mean, we know people like that. We've said it. Oh, she talks this or he or she talks this way when we're there. Mm-hmm. But we know that when we leave, and the person that disagrees with us comes along. That they flip to the they other. They flip to the other. Yeah. So, and I, ne- I don't think I did. I mean, I might have done that when I was quite young. But in as I got older, then I would just not say anything. Right. Which is why we get into we would get into conflict because I would say something which you would agree with. Yes. But you didn't speak out no. so they were like oh charles is such an you know so nice, <laughs> such, a nice guy. such a nice guy and, and then i wanted what, what i was what we what, what has changed what is changing what has changed is uh now like when i wanted you to say when i was okay with you saying things but sometimes i was like okay i want you to say it with this more diplomatic twist or angle or whatever because I'd be happy with saying it, but we have to couch it in terms of all of this other stuff first, just to achieve harmony. Right. But you you don't like the couching. <laughs> well, and I mean, that's part of my thing, right, is learning to express it in such a way that the person on the other end is actually hearing it. Yes. And not just setting it. And shutting set, it out. Shutting it out. Yeah. So... So so this, these are starting to merge together. Yeah, they so what are. are your, what are because uh, your strengths are well, honesty, <laughs> right? Um, no, your strengths are um, so thinking of living your best life. Your strengths are uh, stick to itiveness, uh, like determination and decisiveness. Once you know, once you've decided, there's no waffling or wishy washiness about it. Um, generosity, kindness, uh, giving of yourself to others um, in in all sorts of different ways. I would, you know, there's unhealthy giving of yourself to others, but I don't think that. You know, well, I've learned to well early on. I think. Well, you, I've, you I've learned how I've, to. I would get involved that. with takers, right? Because takers yeah. exist, yeah. and so you want to just know. Well, that. when you start, when we started noticing patterns in our lives of 
the people around us and the same cycle of behavior happening with different people, then we started realizing, okay, this is the givers and the takers. And, right. you know, you're a, we are magnets for the type of people that bring us grief sometimes right. until yeah. we learn how to. Yeah. So what, uh, are, what are my strengths? Your strengths are um, the ability, like you have a, a really strong ability to see where other people are at in a in a like you know when you're when you're working with colleagues and things you have a compassionate way of seeing where people are at whereas i have a more like oh my god grow up <laughs> whereas right. you're like oh well you know they just need this or that's just how they are or, you yeah. know you need well, to I, be... I often will see the so you the, are... i will see the pain in people's lives that are causing the symptoms yeah so you have this compassionate and empathetic way of um um dealing which with... can get me in trouble yeah but... but all our everything as we used to say to our kids everything's a double-edged sword your leadership ability whatever mm -hmm. um you are actually a person that can you because of your uh, quietness you can be actually more of an influencer because you often don't um, you're not the first person into the conversation so when you actually do say something or step up to say something people are like oh my god he never says anything so this must be important this must be really <laughs> bad because yeah, you know, I, not that I that, want to get happened. into not that I want to get into the actual whatever no, but the I know. recent issue at yes, work I know. like you're the fact that you were the one who said it I think everybody just kind of went oh yeah it it must be a problem cuz that's not in your nature to really confront yeah. something yeah and i mean obviously um you are uh like I think some of your strengths are in um, the way that you have conducted your life as a role model for our kids about what a man is supposed to be like. Yeah, I guess. Because we have a very shared partnership mm -hmm. in our in our household about whatever about everything about like, everything and you stayed home yeah with the kids so i think that is a strength for you plus the things we've talked about your creativity your analytical whatever like but for me that is um you know that's those are some of your bigger um strengths so moving on to the next point is the standards that we live by and they should meld together. Because, I do think, yeah, they do. Because at the end of it, what is living your best life look like? Well, you're not going to have a million things. You're going to have, yeah, right. But the, you know, the mm -hmm. standard that I oh, you have to tell me what I my have to tell you. <laughs> Sorry, I was really ready to say that. But you can add on afterwards if I miss the mark. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, well, like because life, life is life, and so there's the the good times and then there's the events that are catastrophic that happen around us that are that cause pain and uh and sorrow and grief and anger and fear and then there's the little naggy things that 
creep up and are negative. So, I mean, life is life, but your standard that you live by is uh, we will, like, you will face it as it comes. And um, you will work through it. I remember when we were engaged, like our premarital counselor kept on bringing up issues that he thought might be issues in our future. And we just basically looked at each other and said, well, we'll just work through it. We'll just, if things come up, we'll just talk and listen and get help if we need help. And so, and I think that that you keep that going between as in our relationship with any of the negative things that have happened. Well, and I think I've really come to the conclusion about, I don't, you know, that I don't like the word happiness anymore. No, so is life happy? Well, I think, um, you know, for me, my standard is that I want to live a fulfilled life. But a fulfilled life means that you handle your issues, you um you make the the world a better place and I know this all sounds whatever but you really do make the world a better place for those people in your circle that are mm-hmm. around you because if you don't and that you know and that whole thing about that I have learned over the last little while is that I'm good enough today but I want to be better tomorrow mm-hmm. so you know that to me is 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 the is the standard right well another thing going back a little bit more like you also live fearlessly at least that's what the the general public would perceive that you're strong that you're fearless that you push through you have lots of guts and um so and i mean but but some people struggle with i'm sorry like but this is about women in their 50s some women struggle with seeing other women be fearless and gutless and then men a lot of men have an issue with that right and whereas for me i i don't feel i'm fearless and gutless and whatever but my expression of it is differently but uh and also you your vulnerable side you don't necessarily share that out you don't wear that out on your sleeve no so people also don't see the the times when you aren't really feeling all that fearless because you gather your your right. your, that, your standard is that, I'm just going to and that keep going. Honestly, is like um, to do with how I like my past, right? Yes. Because that's how you had that's to. the kind of household that I grew up in, where everybody else was falling apart, so there was no way I could fall apart too. Yeah, I just that's. I had a household that when I was growing up with a lot of mental health and a lot of issues and Mm -hmm. there was no way. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and I think for you, your standards are that, um, you do the very best you can in all circumstances, but you're not, um, you are allowed, you're allowed to make mistakes and you're allowed to, um, show that you're not, perfect and that like you have that like in so many ways and that was remember if when we were at that crazy marriage counselor person and he said that 
I was 100% realist <laughs> at one end and you were 100% idealist. idealist at the other end. And he, he said, I don't know how that's going to work. And I think that that is an example of what people should experience in their life, in their connections, in their relationships, is that opposite iron sharpens iron kind of connections with people. Like some of the best conversations and relationships that I have are the ones with people who that are different, who not that they're different no. from me. In a lot of cases, we're very much alike. Right. But they challenge your thinking. Right. So it's not about um, that we think that differently about, like I can think of like the people in my um, quilting group that I'm I'm with. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, we think a lot alike about certain things, but. But the moment that you might have a different opinion, there have no problems sharing yeah, Or theirs. saying, oh, is that, well, I think this way. And then you consider a different, so I think the idea that you're at different ends of the spectrum is actually, you know, and realistic optimism is is different than idealistic optimism. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah, well, I'm an idealist, but I'm a I'm a pessimist. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So that really helps. So the reason I'm so ideal is to cover up my pessimism. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, so what was I going to say? So, I mean, the standards that we live by are basically the same, you know, to be the best person that we can be. You do it in a more idealistic, vulnerable, out there kind of a way. And I do it in a more strong, this is how, which doesn't make me any any stronger or you any weaker. It's just how we... No, it's absolute. I get that. It's almost, it's exactly the same, really. But... I would have to say we go against the cultural norm for our generation, for how absolutely how a marriage should be and the roles of the men and the roles of the women. Yeah, absolutely. But we always were like that. I yes. mean, when we were in a church, it was like people just couldn't get their heads around what we were doing. And my no. own father yeah. no, I know. really struggled with, when, particularly when you were at home and... Yeah. That you weren't a man, that and my mother a, had the same struggle, right? Because of their because yeah. of their cultural paradigm. Your dad and my mother, of course, the ones that passed away sooner, sooner, yeah, were both like actually fine with the mm-hmm. idea and the whatever we were doing. So it's very interesting. Yeah. So, Another standard I think that we live by as we get older is that we don't want to settle. Like I, I read about and hear about men as they get older than fifty, they they get more opinionated, they get more stubborn, yes. they don't want to change their minds. They're like, I'm done being flexible. This is who I am. Yeah, you know. So my dad was like totally like that. So you know, you know I've done, I read about I've this worked, in business, and I I see it in education, yeah. and yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I don't want to settle. Yeah. I, you know, I just remember my dad saying, I've worked and I've sacrificed and this is now I deserve. And, you know, that's that whole idea of um, entitlement. Right. And, you know, we we definitely don't we definitely fight that. Right. So 
Anyway, the next question is, ideally, I will be the kind of, for you, father, me, mother, wife, friend, neighbor, who, whatever. For mm -hmm. you, I think that um, you want to be the kind of father who is there, but doesn't interfere with, I mean, we know we've been... You know, we're just getting to that point with empty nesters, whatever. But I think you also want to be particularly for a father, the kind of father that because you have sons that holds your kids, that there's a almost a responsibility to hold your kids response, like accountable, mm -hmm. that point out things to them like really this is what you how you want to come across yes absolutely and so i think that's like i don't want to parent them anymore but i have no problem and not that i expect them to be like us because they're a new generation with different stressors and different events that have happened around them as they've grown up so they're going to be obviously are going to be different and i expect them to be different but i want to you know i want them to launch which they have both launched really yeah uh career-wise i mean, I mean as if because if of covid because COVID. of covid we have our youngest still living at home but if it weren't for that he would already be out of the house um yeah, but, so to me that... But I mean, raising them as young men, I wanted them to have, you know, our family sense of integrity and honesty and truth. But I wanted them to figure out how that works for them in their circles, their work right. circles, their relationships, but their you, But you do. And I mean, I think because um, I was always the more outspoken one that, one of the things that I am trying to do now is let you be the one that calls them out yeah. at times when we feel that, you know, we just need to say we, this is how we feel about that. Because yeah. sometimes when, you know, it's just the role of the mother, right? But for yeah. you, that's what I think as far as father. And as far as like husband, I, I just like the fact that we just have a partnership and sometimes yeah. we disagree and we do it strongly, but we always come back to that, that we're, we're partners and friends and we're going to yeah. figure it out kind of a thing. Well, and like our, our marriage vows, there's one part of it where, um, whatever flows, you know, whatever extra there is of love between the two of us, however, that, flows out into our circle our nearest circle yeah is um so and i just find that that like our partnership is solid and we work things out but there's also well and we I look think, for giving out too rather than just well and i think the other thing is that we have because we don't have our kids are more settled and whatever mm -hmm. that we do have this extra bit of energy and time to invest in other people and to, you know, remain connected. And, you know, and I think you want to be the kind of person who your friends and neighbors can just like reach out to and know that it's not going to be that big of a deal and yeah. you're going to do what's necessary and respect their privacy and their lives. And, 
you know, just but still be a support. Yeah, still yeah. be a support. So I don't know. Yeah, so that would be. That's you, I think. So, and I know for you, the kind of mother you want to be is one where your kids, even as adults, still feel secure that they are loved and that some of the more, you know, sentimental needs or hidden needs or worries and fears that you're still there for them to comfort them and be supportive. Um, well, as a, as a partner, you've already talked, we've I already think, talked about that really. Yeah. As a friend, I know that you are a, a loyal friend and, um, and well, and I think also like the way our kids are with their friends and in their relate, like I see that, st that strand of loyalty that right. that's there. Well, and to me, I recently I've thought about like relationships and connections a lot. And um, I've decided that I just want to, I want to surprise people every once in a while. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> but I mean, that's yeah, how no. I feel like, you know, with some of our neighbors, if, you know, and, yeah. you know, just random, drop off random something, acts, yeah. that random acts of kindness kind of thing. And, you know, that I, over the pandemic and stuff that I've dropped off cars or sent things in the mail or done things. And I think they've been surprising to people, mm -hmm. but in that kind of a way, like just be unpredictable in what I do for people. And that gives me, um, the ability to just kind of, you know, do the things that are on my heart and like, yeah, I just, I, I just feel that way about my, the kind of person that I want to be. I want to be surprising at times mm -hmm. to people. Mm -hmm. So. Well, and, um, the kind of, well, I mean, I haven't thought through things that way, the way you just said about doing stuff for neighbors or whatever, but I just think about, um, as, as I get older, I don't want to be a curmudgeon. Yeah. Well, that's why I like this whole idea of like being surprising, like just, oh, I think this person would like this. So I'm going to you know, get in the car and go drive that over to them because, yeah. or I just made 12 muffins. I'm giving six to this person because I think mm -hmm. they would like them or yeah. whatever. Like, just be surprising. And mm -hmm. because I think um, for particularly right now, right, because the world is not that no, that's... amazing of a place so that if you can do something like kind and surprising for someone, then I think you should do it. I agree. So... All right. So what types of challenges do I welcome? Well, I think that it behooves us to say that we have not been without our challenges. Well, our yeah, because, I mean, we can make a podcast episode sound very amazing and positive and awesome. But Yeah, but no, we've had tons of challenges. <laughs> yes. Like our just our um, first few years of marriage, right? Like. We had two kids. We lost two parents. We bought a house that we, well, I went on maternity we leave. We gave up for four years. We gave up more than two-thirds of our income. So that I was home with the kids. And 
Um, um, yeah, so that those were financial health health challenge. I didn't know what those headaches were. The yeah. the health challenges um, and like just so I mean dealing with like being sandwiched. Like we really yeah. did have that. My dad as a widow, your mom as a widower. Yeah. Um. Um. Like it just there was just a lot of stuff, and we had really young kids and. And, no and the challenge of my family and the mental and, health issues and yeah. your family. And my family and, being away and absent. Well, and you're like, and we both have, you know, things of um, like um, people who are estranged, yeah. right? And, mm-hmm. you know, like there's all, like we have not been without our, our cons- our worries and concerns and whatever yeah, just like like everybody else like everybody has. else but i mean i think for me now i would welcome life without challenge <laughs> but that that would be nice but, but that i don't think just... that's reality so i think uh, the kinds of the types of challenges that i welcome are is kind of a odd statement because I don't think you get to choose the no. the challenges that you get in your life. That you, I mean, I, you know, I am totally aware that I have enough skills now to really handle whatever challenge yeah. comes my way. Yeah. I mean, we have a, a lot of tools in the toolbox. Right? Like, especially... You know, like being like the whole idea of mindfulness and being able to, you know, look, control your negative thoughts and move past them and like all those kinds of things. But do I welcome challenge? Mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> I'd welcome, rather avoid it, but that's me. I welcome creative challenges. Like well, I yeah, like that, does that kind of a thing. Work challenges, relationship challenges. Cook, I don't even want any cooking challenges <laughs> anymore. I just want everything to go nice. <laughs> like when I was burning stuff for like four times in a row, I I wasn't really welcoming. So I don't know if if you come on. The We're going to keep trying new recipes. Yes, and letting them yes, bomb. The challenge of you know. <laughs> I don't know. I I thought I find that question really odd. So, what kinds of challenges that you would welcome? I mean, you like the challenges of helping your students. Yes. Any anything that involves creativity, I'm fine with. Yeah. But drudgery, well, I don't welcome that. But I don't. Well, and we welcome the challenge of working out and yes. doing those kinds of things. Well, like, and I mean, five years ago, I would never have said welcome that challenge. That I, this is where I would be at. Yeah. Looking so, forward to this. Look, I mean, looking forward to working out. Looking forward to exercise. Well, and just being so like committed <clears throat> to making sure that we're healthy and. Mm-hmm. You know, that if there is a physical challenge, you know, and this is why, where the next one comes in, how we like to handle unforeseen challenges by, you know, being healthy and yeah, mindful and, you know, um, informed and, you know, like I think about um, this whole idea, if you can think of the pandemic as an unforeseen challenge right like that this was a oh yeah a big unforeseen challenge and i think that we have managed it like really well we've take 
we have taken it all very seriously, but we've still managed to stay connected with people, keep our social circle small, be reasonable in our risk. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, and not, and stay for the most part out of that sort of judgmental whatever we've kind of let people do their thing and we may have a private conversation or whatever about something that we oh i would we wouldn't do that right but But, i mean generally we've right Mm -hmm. you know and so i mean i i think that um you handle unforeseen challenges the best when you are in a healthy state, body, mind, and spirit. Right. Well, I just think back to, I mean, I won't get into specifics necessarily, but like the the two ways that you and I deal with a challenge. So there might be something relationship-wise that happens uh, or financially and... I'm freaking out, falling apart. And you're like, wait, like within minutes, you're like, okay, stop. No, let's, you know, but for me, it's when like the time we were driving and the hood of the car flipped up across the glass. Right. And, you know, in the moment you were falling apart and I was calm driving off the road. And then what do we do next? And who do we call? And you needed to get to work. So who, who did we call for that? And so in the moment, I was able to stay calm. But when it's some of the, you know, (laughs) buying a house, (laughs) the first time buying a house, you know, I'm falling apart and, and you're like calmly, you know, well, we have a plan. We just, so we, I mean. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think unforeseen challenges. I mean, I think that you also just get better at realizing that you're going to come out on the at the other end right. of things and there and things are going to be okay and well, like, they'll be a different they'll be different and okay like, well, like and when I, I hear people you know saying, i'm a worrier so i think i have planned all these things out ahead of time and then when things happen right it, it doesn't but i kind of have a script for what to do next well, and I think that I, when I hear people saying, you know, well, I can't wait for everything to kind of go back to normal, and then I'm like, it's there's not we're not going back. I don't to think we're going back to normal. I, I, you know, I've said to you that I'll probably always wear a mask in a store now, like yeah. a grocery store, because. Mm-hmm. Even after this, I don't want anybody's flu bugs or cold bugs nope. or any of that and stuff. And now if I go to work and I feel a scratchy throat or feel a headache, I'm going to be wearing a mask when I go into work yeah. to protect other people. Yeah. So I just think that it's made us more aware. And, I mean, of, I guess I always washed my hands, but I'm going <laughs> to... No, know. we do wash our hands like a ton more. So yeah. I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of things about this that have actually changed us for the better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have my comments on how I was hoping that this would really revitalize education yeah. and move things forward. And, and it's not. I'm very disappointed in what's happened there. But I mean, yeah. So that is part one of 
living your best life. I know that it's an awkward spot maybe to end, but tune back in on December 30th when we're going to do, I did get everything, didn't I? Yep, the yep. List? When we're going to actually um, talk about um, part two of living your best life, which this that part of it helps you look out at other people and what you admire about them in order to kind of pull those qualities oh, into that sounds interesting. what you want to be for mm-hmm. yourself. But it does end up with um, talking about writing your best possible life statement. Okay. I so, like that kind of thing. And then I thought that that was a great way to end the year because the new year is coming and hopefully, you know, we are different because of what we've experienced in 2020, that we're more thoughtful and kind. And, you know, that's what I've always said all along through this whole thing Yeah. that I was hoping <clears throat> that people would become through this. But time will tell. And uh, we've mentioned a couple uh, books and podcasts and things like that. So we'll put... Links to we'll put links to all of those in the show notes. So if you want to uh, maybe <clears throat> look at some of those sources, resources, and things that, and one resource that I will not put in there, which I forgot to mention, was that book "Fit to Be Tied." Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> so, do you care if I add the, that little story at the no, end? No, just add that. It was very funny. So our premarital like... counselor gave us this book called "Fit to Be Tied." And it was basically about whether or not, as a couple, you would be compatible. And by the end of us reading it together as a couple, Pam was fit to be tied, and I was a royal mess of tears and uh, Kleenex all over the place because it was all it did was point out how incompatible people should not get married. And our backgrounds were so different that, according to this book, by all the 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 flags and red flags and uh, things that they were comparing us, we were going to never make it. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I guess we shouldn't get married. We better cut off our engagement. And I was like, well, this is a stupid book. (laughs) So realistically, this is just a stupid book. And idealistically, I'm never going to make these these ideals. So So, yeah, (laughs) it was was really something. So anyway, we did throw it away. Yes, and we highly unrecommend it to any couples that we meet that are, we actually bring it up to people who are engaged and say, never read this book. So, but anyway, so that's the end of part one, living your best life. Um, try to enjoy the preparations for Christmas. Remember that uh, Christmas is a day and whatever it looks like this year, it's about pe- your friends being um or your family and friends and your circle being healthy and uh, you doing the best you can and us having an attitude of gratitude. So thank you for tuning in to No Room for Phonies, um, Living Your Best Life, Part 1. Thank you for inviting me to join you. You're welcome.